There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, i just like to talk to you about uh, Draft.com. Draft in your app store. Great way to play daily fantasy sports. Snake-style drafts, just the way you like them. You know, they have baseball, they have basketball, they have PGA, they have NFL, you name it. They got it. They started with the snake-style drafts. They went to auctions and best balls, and they're crushing it in the best ball world. They have a $25 entry, million-dollar grand prize, best ball, NFL thing going on. But if you're new to draft, use promo code SD Sports. SD is in dog sports when you sign up. Get a free $3 entry to any tournament of your choice. Snake style, auction, um, best ball, you name it. They got it. $3 free entry. First time deposit promo code SD Sports. Also, if you can rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It really helped me out and helped the podcast out. and mean a lot to me. Just take a couple minutes out of your day. Now to a special edition of Bench with Bubba. Episode 185. A little bit of fancy baseball talk early on. And then a lot of recapping the London series. The man on the scene. Darius Austin from Baseball Perspectives and Bat Flips and Nerds. to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 185. I have a special guest, uh, first, uh, I guess, foreigner on the podcast, is the best way I'll put it. Best, uh, first non-continental uh, United States podcast member, our guest of the show. You can find his work over at Baseball Pro and Bat Flips and Nerds. He's on Twitter at Darius A 64 Darius Austin, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I got to know you, well, through Twitter a, a bit, but uh, I listened to you a long time ago with our buddy Justin Mason, and uh, it, it's fun to, to get get to chat with you myself, and a uh, uh, very knowledgeable man, and um, I, I, what got you, before I get into it, what got you into baseball uh, in England, and this will kind of, we'll talk about it more with the, the London series and everything, but with baseball not being as prominent over there, what got you into baseball? Uh, so it's, it's a bit of a weird story. It was actually through fantasy. So it, that was kind of my intro to baseball. But um, I'm kind of uh, a part of a, a Mario Kart 64 community, which is, a, I know, a very strange way to start the story. Um, but uh, there's kind of a, a website and forums. People do their time trial time, stuff like that. Um, and we would kind of play like, you know, fantasy soccer, stuff like that. And uh, one year they were looking for an extra for their fantasy baseball league. This was 2008. Uh, and so I was like, well, I, I enjoy playing, uh, you know, the fantasy games. I'll give it a go, even though I had literally no idea who anybody was in baseball. I thought, you know, what, why not give it a try? Um, so I, I started playing. I kind of really fell in love with the numbers. Um, I realized pretty quickly that it was a lot more interesting than the other fantasy games I played. Um, and uh, that year I had Tim Linscombe on my team. And that was, of course, was his first Cy Young year. So then I started following the Giants as well. And uh, yeah, here we are. Just over 10 years later, I've uh, somehow become part of the <laughs> the fantasy community uh, quite deeply after that sort of uh, fairly innocuous, uh, you know, yeah, I'll have a go at this league. So yeah, uh, kind of a weird journey, but fantasy has always been a big part of my baseball fandom. 
No, that's great. And that, that led to my answer to my second question, because out here in California, and I know you knew, knew Mason and everything, is I was wondering, how did you get to like the Giants? But uh, that makes sense, because if you're new to baseball during the Lincecum era, that was a fun, fun thing to witness, what he was doing, how different he was from the game and, and all that good stuff. So lots of fun. We'll have more talk on um, London baseball and just everything in general of baseball here in a little bit. But before we do, I want to talk about some recent MLB news as normal. Talk with a fantasy baseball twist to it, of course. And we'll kick it off with Rich Hill as being moved to the 60-day IL. Some thought it wouldn't be too big of an injury with Rich Hill, but it is much worse than expected with his flexor strain. If you have uh, Rich Hill on your roster, Darius, and he's good to move to the 60-day IL, are you even bothering holding on to him if uh, unless you have extra IL spots? No, I'd, I don't think so. I, I've uh, got him in a couple, certainly of shallower leagues where I've cut him. Um, I have him in one, which it, which is a 30-teamer anyway, but we do have unlimited IL, so um, we've been able to keep him there. But otherwise, uh, I've been cutting him where I own him. Uh, just basically, when he, when he kind of came out and said, I, I hope to pitch again this season, that kind of thing, it, it's it's kind of like, yeah, that that's not a good sign when it's like, uh, you know, may, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll make it back, that kind of tone to his comments. So I think if we get anything out of Hill this season, it's going to be a, a few starts at best. And I think in that scenario, you can just keep an eye on the news and, and maybe swipe him back up if it looks like he's going to be back, uh, you know, with three, four weeks to go of the season. But I could easily see a scenario where they don't, uh, don't get him at all or... You know, he's on his way back, but the Dodgers are going to coast to the postseason anyway, so they have no reason to push him. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think he's a cut in pretty much all leagues. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I pretty much uh, give up hope on getting too, anything too productive fantasy-wise this year. And like you, you nailed it there. I think the Dodgers, by the time he's ready to come back, should, on paper, have things pretty wrapped up. And if that's the case, they'll kind of uh, you know take their time getting them back into it. And uh, if anything... They'll just slide him into the bullpen or something, getting ready for the postseason. So, 100% with you on that one. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, uh, Tommy Listella was hit uh, the other night, uh, last night, I believe, or two nights ago, and he fractured his tibia in his right leg. He's out eight to 10 weeks, which is definitely not ideal. Um, do you have any, uh, you know, the, the, the Angels are pretty spread out, Lewis from Giffel and everything. Any thoughts on uh, La Stella and then maybe how to approach maybe replacing him? Yeah, this is a, a rough one. It's uh, you kind of didn't didn't really uh, expect that at first. I think it, it looked uh, you know like he was in a lot of pain, um, but uh, I think uh, everybody was pretty surprised when uh, it came out that he's got a broken leg. So don't often see that with, uh, with fouling the ball off. Um, so yeah, he's another a tricky one I think to hold on to. Um, you know, unless you're in a very deep league and there's just nothing out there on the waiver wire I think you've got to look elsewhere because it's looking like he's probably going to miss at minimum like two-thirds of the remainder of the season so that's a lot of production to sit out unless you've got the unlimited uh, IL slots uh, the Angels yeah I mean they've got kind of a few options they've been quite creative there with moving guys around with uh, David Fletcher of course uh, with Rengifo who I think we all hoped could maybe provide a bit of stolen base um production but hasn't really done so and now uh, Matt Tice is, is up as well so um, I think it might be a little bit annoying at first <laughs> to, to kind of see what's going on obviously Simmons is locked in at shortstop so I think uh, Fletcher is kind of the more dependable player there but Rengifo is, is the guy who's got the the upside if he can actually start running um, I'm not really sure why he hasn't been uh, he's, he's certainly had plenty of some base production in the minors last year but we haven't really seen it this season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not super excited about his chances, uh, especially with Simmons back, because that kind of takes away a spot in the infield to play. But it's entirely possible that, that Tice won't hit and he'll go back down and then there'll be a spot for him again. So, yeah, not not a great situation right now, but certainly if you can get somebody in that lineup with Trout and Otani and, and Upton back now, uh, I think I'd be interested if, if he can find his way into some time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Regifo, it is confusing why he's not running. That was the... The kind of big excitement when they called him up a while back was when Giffel's going to run. So not sure what happened there, but uh, hopefully he gets it going again. Let's talk Tampa Bay Rays real quick. A couple moves. G-Man Choi to the 10-day IL. They call up Mike Brosu from the minor leagues. He went deep yesterday in his debut. And then on uh, today, on Thursday as we record, Brandon Lau goes on the IL, and Nate Lowe gets the call back. So any thoughts on any of those moves for the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah, I've been 
interested in in Brasso for a, a little while actually. I, I kind of I'd not really heard of him at all before this season, um, and uh, I think a few weeks back, uh, someone at BP uh, highlighted him in one of the the scouting columns. Just what a, a great year he was having, uh, and he, he's had an unbelievable season at AAA. I mean, the the OPS is nearly a thousand. Um, really good walk and strikeout rates, plenty of power. So just one of these late career pop up guys. Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of been interested in him. I own him in a couple of, of fairly deep leagues and the, the CBSAL only and uh, Dynasty League as well. I've picked him up. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping he finds his way into a little bit of time. But obviously, Nate Lowe is the exciting one. And uh, I'm sure <laughs> you, as well as a lot of other people, have been frustrated with how he's been dealt with this season because uh, there's clearly monster power there. Um, he's got a chance, especially in OBP League, I think, to just have a, an incredible. Uh, walk rate so um it's it's good to see him back up and i i think the main frustration with the rays is they just change things up so often and you never really get a great handle on what they're trying to do with their their lineup from day to day it can be a little bit tricky but i think he's good enough to carve out a role and and Choi's been fine i've certainly been using Choi in deeper leagues as well um but he hasn't been so impressive that you know the the rays would just not say you know what we're gonna we're gonna stick with low when he comes back so yeah, I think both of these guys have got the opportunity and we've certainly seen the Rays, uh, you know, have these guys, even, even like Rousseau, who we haven't seen a ton of um, before this year. I think he could easily carve out a role uh, and, and become pretty useful on fantasy teams down the stretch. It's just a matter of can they get him in the lineup close to every day? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. At Lowe, I'm, I'm very glad he's back up. Like you said, there was massive frustration there when it came to Nate Lowe. Uh, not coming up and going back down and just crushing it again. And G-Man Choi, like you said, was doing well. I'm not going to take that away from him. But it was like, you have this monster in the minors. What are we doing here? And so we finally get to see that again for at least the time being. Hopefully it sticks, as you were saying. And I, I am curious about Brasil. You mentioned you, you've had him on your radar. I'm going to have to do some more research on him because, to be honest, I, I follow a lot of prospect guys. And he took me kind of by surprise when he came up here recently and, I know he'll be available this week in, in most, you know, TGFBIs and NFPC fab markets. So that'll be uh, fun to see how that goes because, he, like I said, he homered uh, yesterday and he's in the starting lineup again on Thursday. So they're giving him run out there. So it'll be really interesting to see how all that uh, plays out. Minnesota Twins, they've been playing great, leading the AL Central. Jacob Rizzi is a big reason why they've been playing great. He goes on the IL with a blister on his throwing hand. Hopefully it's not major. Um Assuming it's not major, is there any thoughts on Jake Odorizzi this year? Do you kind of like him the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, a little bit hesitant on him just because I think he's not super different from, from what he's been in the past. And I, that's not to say that I didn't think he was a, a good pitcher. But uh, obviously, if you looked at his uh, kind of the surface stats right now, you'd think he was, he was basically an ace. And uh, I don't think he's that. But uh, I do think they've done a, a great job of managing him over there. Um, obviously, uh, that they've kind of had kept him away from the third time through the order, which has, has been a big problem for him in the past. Uh, I love the Twins. Obviously, have got Byron Buxton out in centre field. Um, that that really helps a lot, I think, uh, especially for guys like Odorizzi, who is more of a fly ball pitcher. Um, I want I want Buxton out there chasing those fly balls down. So I think that's a really nice boost for him as well. Um, and they're playing great, obviously. So the the wins potential is there. Uh, they they look pretty set. The, the Indians are just starting to creep. Uh, if they hadn't uh, blown it to the Orioles over the weekend, then they would, uh, I think, be starting to get a little bit nervous for the Twins. So maybe something to watch out for there. But you've still got two just dreadful teams in that division in the Tigers and the Royals, um, both on pace to lose over 100 games. So there's bound to be some good matchups coming up. Uh, I think Odorizzi can, can still be a, a very solid starting pitcher the rest of the way. So, yeah. With the All-Star break coming up, I think, you know, they'll just give him that off. And hopefully this isn't one of those Aaron Sanchez type recurring blister things where you kind of, he comes back and he makes a start and then the second inning he's out again uh, and he's back on the IL. That's not really what you want to see, but um, he's not got a history of this kind of thing. So I think he should be okay. Yeah, I'm with you there. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. The extra rest should hopefully hurt. It didn't seem like they like left him out too long to make anything bad, uh, worse type deal. And you mentioned it. The thing that's great about the Twins, besides their offensive prowess that they've been going with, is the matchups the pitchers get. That's why Gibson, not that Gibson and Odorizzi aren't good, but that's why they've been so much better, like you were saying. So really good stuff there. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals, Matt Carpenter to the IL with lower back spasms. He's really, 
really struggled this year. I remember last year, struggled early on. People gave up on him. I gave up on him. And then he goes off on a monster run. And he's one of the uh, MVP finalists. Haven't seen that this year. I'm not counting on that happening this year. Uh, if you're a Matt Carpenter owner, what are your thoughts right now? Yeah, I, I'm a, a Carpenter owner in the uh, aforementioned uh, 30 team league, actually. So that's been a real uh, blow for us there in, in a league that deep. It's, it's really difficult uh, to deal with something like that. And it was kind of, as he was out, I think it was four days he missed and, and Schilt said he had a, a stomach issue and everybody was kind of like, he's, he's what, he's just been a bit ill for, for four games. So um, for this to come out, I guess, gives us a, a reason to believe that it was a little bit more than that. But uh, I think everybody's kind of got last year at the back of their mind as well. Um, and I, I do hope that he can come out and have a second half like that. Um, but uh, it's a lot to expect of a player as well because that was just a, a monster second half. He had such a, a bad first half of the season last year. I know loads of people dropped him uh, or, or gave up for him, you know, for 20, 30 cents on the dollar. So, yeah, I, I still have confidence in Carpenter. I think his approach is still good. Hopefully he can get healthy and, and come back and at least be, you know, sort of the, the career version of Matt Carpenter that we've had. But um, it's very bizarre the way he's had these called incredibly cold stretches by followed by incredibly hot and i i don't really know what the reason is i i've never really uh seen anything to explain why he does that so yeah hopefully it's it's you know just been a, a health thing and, and he'll come back out and get hot in the second half god knows the cardinals need it right now yeah they definitely do and i'm with you i remember last year looking at all the advanced stats all the you know exit velocities everything you can look at and nothing made sense to me on what was going on and right now it's kind of like, you know, he's doing this, that, and the other, but it's not like you, you wouldn't foresee him turning things around. Like you said, maybe it's just the back. Hopefully it's just the back and see where we go from there. Uh, New York Yankees, they just had injury after injury this year. Uh, Stephen Voigt, or Luke Voigt, while he was in uh, England, hurt his abdominal area and got an abdominal strain. He is on the IL now. They called up Mike Ford. I'm not too worried about that. But uh, Luke Voigt, you know, a guy that's a big guy that uses his power, do you have any concern with this injury hurting his fantasy value? I'm not too worried right now. Um, it, it was a bit of a weird one because I was, I was obviously there watching that. And uh, when he did it, it, it looked like it was his foot or his ankle. Like he sort of it looked like he'd, he'd trod on the, on the base awkwardly or, or maybe just the first step coming off. Um, and, and so we're kind of, I thought, oh, what has he done there? Is that, has he twisted his ankle or has he done something to his toe? So when they said it was an abdominal strain, I was, I was kind of like, uh, how does he do that running the bases? It was a, a little bit strange one to watch. Um, so yeah, it sounds like it's just tightness. Um, you know, it's, it's not like they've come out and said this is a, a severe strain. Nobody's saying he's going to miss a month, six weeks, anything like that. So I think it's it's hopefully more just a case of, you know what, we're going to give him the uh, the week off. We've got the All-Star break as well. Um, just give him some time to rest it and, and he'll be fine when he's out. So based on the current information, I'm, I'm not worried. Um, but obviously, if that's a, a core injury that lingers, then that will affect his power quite a bit, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's what I was curious about. Sometimes those core injuries uh, we've seen in the past just linger. They don't heal properly. It's, it's a weird deal. Uh, but hopefully it's not too bad because Luke's been a uh, – a late-round draft pick that many are thriving on right now, and they want to get that back as soon as possible and enjoy Yankee Stadium. Uh, a couple more here. Jesus Lazardo was pulled from his most recent rehab start um, with a uh, lat strain, and this looks bad that there's no timetable for him to return. And he was supposed to be coming back right after the All-Star break, and now I don't know how slow they're going to take this with him, but it could be anywhere from a, you know, a few weeks to we may not see him this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jesus Lazardo? Yeah, this is a really frustrating one because this is twice now that we've obviously thought we were going to get to see him and uh, he's had the injury to really push him back. Uh, the time frame I've, I've kind of seen tossed around is around a month for the, the recovery before his return to action. So you're thinking that even if, if that goes well um, and, and then he goes out on rehab again to build back up, you know, you're, you're probably not looking at anything before kind of late August kind of time that they'd probably be... Uh, likely to bring him back so that's a, a difficult one as well if you've been stashing him um i think he's obviously got the upside to be a, a really big help but i do wonder how much where the a's are is going to affect this as well if we we're coming up towards september and they're really in the hunt and they need the starting pitching 
then maybe they'll be a little bit more aggressive with him. But there's a chance that they are out of it or, you know, they, they don't think uh, they've got a good enough chance to, to be in it. Or if it takes a little bit longer, I could even see them saying, you know what, we, we don't really have time to build him back up to start. Let's maybe try and use him out of the bullpen, you know, see if we can get two, three innings, especially if they go into a wild card game. Uh, then that maybe they would think we'll, we'll try and do something like that rather than try and build them back up to 90, 100 pitches and use them in the starting rotation. So I think it's going to be a, a tricky one um, to, to deal with. And, and certainly the A's position in the standings is, is going to influence how they handle him, um, which, yeah, is, is going to be a shame because I really wanted to see Lozano in the starting rotation every fifth day over the second half. And I, I guess we're not probably not going to get that until next year now. Yeah, it's a real shame. I remember we did. I did an early February draft, and I drafted him as one of my last picks because he there. It was spring; he was dominating. Um, our early reports in spring where he was doing well, and there was a chance he could start the rotation. Things were looking promising, not so much. So uh, that, <laughs> that that that's a shame there. And yeah, to, to be it, no surprise to anyone, he's not on my roster anymore. But. Um, yeah, that, that's a shame. A couple quick ones here. Hunter Pence suffered a groin, a setback to his groin. He's going to be out for uh, no set timetable on that one, so keep that in mind. And Scooter Jeanette, I didn't put this one on the outline, but uh, he re-aggravated his groin. He's getting another MRI. It's uh, the, the season of the, the Scooter that we were hoping to see from his, uh, his last couple of years is not happening, so that's a shame. But the last question I have for you here, um, Darius, is – the Red Sox came out recently, and in, in the world of fantasy baseball, as you know, how troublesome the closing situation can be if you don't have one of the big, like, four or five guys. The Red Sox have come out and said, when Nate Eovaldi comes back, he is our closer. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's certainly been one of the most frustrating closing situations, I think, for owners this year, because uh, Matt Barnes has obviously been great for long stretches, but... Cora seems to like to have him in his pocket for whatever the toughest situations are. So he hasn't got as many saves as you might like. We've obviously had uh, Brazier in there. We've had Workman. It's It's been back and forth. So it certainly would be great for fantasy owners if, if Aldi just came back and they stuck with him as the closer. I think that would bring some clarity that everyone's been looking for. Uh, and he, he clearly looked really great out of the bullpen uh, last postseason. Um, although he he didn't really operate in, in quite the same role as now, he was you know there were some longer stretches from him. He I've said that heroic effort in, in Game Three of the World Series, uh, where he finally gave up the, the homer to Muncie, but uh, I think after he pitched six scoreless, something like that. Um, so it, it would be a different role for him. Uh, he's clearly got great stuff. Um, you know the velocity has always been there for him anyway. So you you do wonder if he would be able to ramp it up even further. And and he was sounding like, you know, this is a quicker way for me to get back on the team. So if that's what it takes for me to help the Red Sox in the second half, then then go for it. So, yeah, we've never really seen them do it before. You never quite know how people are going to treat it. But um, I was impressed with what Eval did last season. I, I thought uh, he made some really good changes. So if he's healthy and, and maybe this helps him be a little bit healthier than uh, being in the starting rotation, then uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a real interesting idea because like you said we saw him out of the bullpen at times he was throwing harder i think it's an option and, and what what could be worse you know like you said the the red sox closing situation has been dreadful like really really bad so um i think it's interesting and he's probably out there on some waiver wires right now so that'll be a fun pickup period as well um let's let's get into the london series i'm really curious because you we have a first you have you have a first-hand perspective of it you you were there you were working it you were enjoying it i'm really curious to hear it from your guys hindsight because i had fun catching what i caught on tv out here i like the whole idea of a different different atmosphere and 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 whatnot like that but let's i'm just going to kind of spitball things back and forth kind of an open discussion starting out when you heard that there was an announcement of baseball major league baseball coming to london what were your expectations for what was going to take place for those games yeah, I think uh, we've kind of been through a lot of stages, but uh, I get, initially, um, I think it was it was very hard to conceive. Obviously, the stadium is unlike anything um, we've got in a park, so uh, certainly something that um, people find difficult over here. Um, I think it often gets criticised is when you have uh, football, soccer games in uh, athletic stadiums, which is what the London Stadium is. 
um, there can be the, the criticism that you feel a little bit too far away from the pitch, that the atmosphere is a bit flat because it isn't designed um, for football, obviously. So you, you haven't got that intimate atmosphere that you might get a ground that's been specifically designed for it. Um, so I think uh, we were obviously all extremely excited just that it was coming, um, but there were certainly some concerns about how it would look in a park that wasn't designed for baseball. Uh, and I think when the, the seating came out as well, I think uh, some of that was a bit misleading. People had taken photos from the seats as the ground was set up for football. Um, the seating plan, I think, made it look like some seats were going to be a lot further away than they actually were. So there were some concerns over that. But overall, I think we weren't all that worried about um, you know what it was going to look like. We just uh, couldn't believe that, that, that it was actually going to happen, which is pretty cool for all of us who've spent many late nights and uh, early mornings uh, following the game from over here. Yeah, I know you, you and your uh, your co-workers from uh, Batflips and Nerds, you guys have been raving about this for a long time. I've seen Tom and, and those guys doing some really cool stuff over there, so I knew how excited you guys were for it. I, I But without you know just seeing the real thing in person, you had to kind of use your imagination on what you're going to expect there. So it's cool that for the most part, it came out to what you guys were hoping for. Now, what did you... What did you do for the game? Because I know you worked it a bit, but I want to explain to the listeners. What did what did you do for the the first game and the second game? Uh, so yeah, we were we were very lucky to get uh, press accreditation um, for the weekend. So uh, we actually did get to to sit up in the press box, so um, we could go down behind home plate um, before the game, uh, see batting practice, and that. Uh, one of my favorite things from the whole weekend actually was seeing Aaron Judge taking batting practice, <laughs> which I'd obviously heard about, but but never seen in person, and that was. It was really something to behold. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to do that. That was really cool. Um, just unbelievable. I think at one point he hit five, six in a row, just a dead center field, you know, 420, 430, 440. Just they seem to keep going back and back and back up up the seats. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, we were so kind of the press boxes. Uh, it was a little bit weird there because I think they're normally behind, like directly behind home plate. And, uh, Apparently, um, I think Marley Rivera told us this, that it, they were set up for where the 100 metres uh, finished uh, at the Olympics. So it was kind of offset a little bit just to the side still in that area behind. But um, So that's kind of where our, our seating position was for the game. Um, and then, yeah, I was personally uh, actually live blogging. So I, I sat up there and, and blogged the full five hours or so of the game. <laughs> and uh, John and Tom kind of went out around the stadium. I don't know if you saw... Um, the baseball artist Andy Brown, he was uh, sort of just away to our right. Um, so they went down and saw him and kind of met up with a few other people, uh, asked, uh, asked them about the game and that uh, people that we know through baseball. Um, and then the second game, I w- I'd arranged to be with a friend. So I was kind of on the exact opposite side of the stadium in uh, kind of left centre field um, just to kind of get a bit more of the atmosphere from the crowd side. And, and that was really nice because uh, it felt like a very family event on the Sunday. A lot of people with their kids had come down, a lot of couples. Um, very nice atmosphere, very friendly, very different from what you might get a, a West Ham game, which is which is who plays at that stadium. So yeah, yeah kind of got a bit of a, a taste of everything, but uh, really enjoyed it both days and just incredible atmosphere all around. I thought. And that's what I was going to ask you: is sitting in the in the in the outfield there, where you just kind of soak it in. You said a nice, fun atmosphere. I was going to ask you: how much does that differentiate from a a regular football game in England? Yeah, it's. Um, I think. Uh, People do say that the football is often not very family friendly. Uh, you know, the, the fans can get a bit abusive towards players sometimes. Um, it's very uh, tribal at times, I think would be the right word. Um, and obviously, uh, when you go to a, a football game, um, it's overwhelmingly fans from one team here. Um, you know, you wouldn't never get a game like that where it was fans from all 30 teams in baseball. Um, you know, it wasn't that people weren't supporting the Yankees and Red Sox. There were pretty big contingents for those teams too. Um, but uh, if you had gone to a West Ham game, you know, there would be 30,000, 40,000 West Ham fans there and a, a few thousand away fans. And that, that would be the composition of the crowd. Um, I would say probably, you know, much more overwhelmingly male as well. So um, not that there aren't female football fans here, but I think it was definitely something you could tell that there was a much better mix of people at the baseball yesterday than you would often get at football matches. So that was that was really nice to see, um, and yeah, obviously we're I think the Brits are probably kind of famous over there for their football chants. Um, so that's something you don't. We got the let's go, let's go Yankees and the let's go Red Sox type things, but 
that's something that hasn't quite uh, translated to, to baseball yet. I don't know if we'll come up with some. Maybe people will work on some for next year for the Cubs and the Cardinals. But uh, the only time that that really came across, I think, was people really got into um, take me out to the ball game and, and especially Sweet Caroline. Uh, people really went for that. They enjoyed that sing-along a lot. So I think that kind of took the place of maybe the, the more traditional football chanting. Yeah, no, that, that was a, a good touch there to bring that over from Boston. So it was their home games. So that, that was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, like you said, the, the take me out to the ball game, the Sweet Caroline, all that kind of quote-unquote baseball tradition-y things. Uh, I noticed you guys did the um, – like what the Brewers do with the running sausages. You guys had your, your – um, you know, Loch Ness Monster and Freddie Mercury and all that. Um, what other types of things did they try to incorporate from, say, U.S. baseball to bring to the ballpark that maybe we didn't see on TV? Uh, so the freeze was there. I don't know if they they showed the freeze, um, but he was he was there. He had a, a race both days, um, so people really enjoyed that. Actually, uh, he did lose the first day, although some people were suggesting that he might have uh, let the fan win because it was a pretty yeah. close finish um so that was a lot of fun um we had like the the t-shirt cannons coming out um getting into the crowd uh there were a few um giveaways actually they did sort of you know those uh very simple quizzes that they have uh you know they've got people to ask a question i'm sure i've seen this maybe it was when i was at the a's um you know it's kind of a it's it's technically kind of a competition but they make the answer to the question so easy that it's it's not really much of one so they were asking people to choose um it was like multiple choice uh they would show you a play um with like the uh the announcer on it and then they would ask you to say what the play was called so i think the first one was a grand slam but the other options were big blast and uh full monty i think <laughs> uh so they they got um got the uh the fan to guess which of the three and obviously everybody was helping him out anyway um, I think stolen base was one of the other answers and they were giving away tickets to the Cubs Cardinals series next year in London um, for getting those right. So that was something else they did between innings. Um, and there were a couple, I think at one point they had like the players up on the, the screen. I think they just basically said like, what do you associate with the UK in London? And so they were like naming bands and stuff and the queen and other, other famous sports players, stuff like that. So they did quite a lot of things that, you know, you would expect to see in the U.S. park just with a little bit of a British twist, I guess. Okay, that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I didn't get to see all those kind of things, but I liked how, you know, they're trying to quote-unquote grow the game, as they say, so I was wondering how, how far they went. And um, I know they did some other things outside the area, and you with the media pass got to kind of experience some of those things. Um, what else did uh, Major League Baseball kind of do to, I don't know if it was teach the game of baseball to the surrounding areas or – spread the word of the game of baseball. What kind of things do they do? Because I've heard you talk about it on some other people that were, that were pretty impressive. Now, I liked how they kind of went out of their way to, to kind of do a few things with either former players or current players. Yeah, so they, they really seem to put a lot of effort in. So in the, the run-up, there was this uh, softball 60 competition, which uh, the Batflips and Nerds had a team in. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to make it down because I live three and a half, four hours from London. So it was a bit of a trek for me, but we have a lot of uh, listeners and uh, ben, who's on the podcast, was the captain of the team, so he was able to go to every game. Um, so that was kind of a, an abbreviated version of softball um, with fewer players, shorter games, but just trying to introduce uh, people from the area to that. And um, so they supported that really well. There was lots of free stuff going on there, and um, people from that got tickets to the Sunday game as well. So that was kind of a, a nice initiative. Uh, there was lots going on with local schools. Um, they had tournaments. They had a they called it the Playball Park, just outside the stadium. So they had batting cages out there. They had a, a small field, um, lots of instruction going on, kids from local schools coming in uh, to kind of learn more about the game. Uh, the Yankees went out to the many of the local schools. Um, Aaron Boone said he was kind of impressed, actually, at, at kind of what people knew about the game already. Um, and so they went around that. They also went to the London Mets, which is uh, one of the local teams, and they left them. I think it was about 40 grand's worth of gear, somebody said, at the end of it, um, which they were obviously gobsmacked by. So just tons of reaching out. They obviously brought over all the legends. Um, Reggie Jackson was there. Uh, Nick Swisher came over. Um, Mo Rivera. Um, Andy Pettit. Uh, so, yeah, just tons of guys uh, came over. I think um, it was Big Siombi said to us, 
there's no way you'd get all these guys in one place in the US for an event. So <laughs> it, it was uh, really spoke volumes that, that they'd really pulled out all the stops to bring bring these guys over and, and make it a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of impressive, really. Um, so they really seemed like they were making an effort beyond just what was was going on in the field. It wasn't just a PR exercise, and then they went home. Um, it was it really seemed like they were trying to grow the game from the grassroots, get the kids interested. Um, Bill Thompson, at Baseball Prospectus, actually had a good piece on this uh, yesterday, talking about what they were doing outside of the game. So um, I'd recommend people go and check that out as well because Bill covered a lot of the points really well. So yeah, yeah. I, was, I was pretty impressed. Um, and uh, yeah, Manfred certainly seems, I think he talked about Europe as opposed to just the UK. So we we did wonder if after next year they might be looking at Amsterdam or one of the other big uh, baseball playing nations in, in the year in Europe for the next series but um certainly they seem like they're they're pretty committed to doing this and I think they've already said that they'll be expanding things like the merchandise for next year which was kind of insane actually how many people were trying to buy merch just massive queues out the doors um they were sold out of a lot of things really fast I think they couldn't get it in the door quickly enough so um, I think they'll, they'll be kind of looking to expand that kind of area as well. So, yeah, I think everything they put on was really good and it definitely seemed like it wasn't just a, oh, you know, we're going to give you this game, but we're not really interested in doing anything other than, you know, just growing the profile of the Yankees and the Red Sox. And that's outstanding. That's what I wanted to ask. First, you already answered a question I had down the line about European expansion. That, and I, I had a feeling they'd want to, but the, I didn't hear Manfred say it that way. So that that's good to hear because – I think there's a lot of places they could go over there to kind of expand the game a bit. But, um, yeah, with with the, the merch is interesting. But I'm just glad to hear they were doing different things because I'm not saying they don't do it when uh, they go to, to play the games in Mexico. I just don't see it. like, And that's why I had to ask because I've never heard anybody talk about it. I know when they do, like, the, the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, we've seen a lot of those guys doing a lot of extra things. So I've seen stuff there. I was just wondering if it was, you know, is this a, hey, let's go put on this. It's not an exhibition, but it's kind of an exhibition. Or are we really trying to make this like a bigger and better thing? And so that's great to hear from your perspective when you're sitting there firsthand and kind of the emotions going around and the feelings of everybody there, that it actually is a, a big deal and it's actually being taken as a big deal, not just kind of a, hey, let's go to Europe for a couple of days and see what happens. So uh, that's really, really good to hear. Um for for those that don't know, because I was really curious about this before I did a little bit of research, um, for like myself, I tell people I didn't know much about soccer or football at all uh, until probably five, six years ago. And then I went to uh, to Paris on my honeymoon and I went to a PSG game. I know it's not the uh, Premier League. I get it. But, um, oh, it yes, was, but PSG are a great side now. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great to see like in person just – as a diehard baseball fan to kind of get that experience. Like it made me want to one day go to England and watch a premier league game. Like I want to go see that where 10, 15 years ago, the little Bubba would have said, no, that I don't care about these kind of things. Long way, long story short in England over there in London, how do you compare like soccer in the U S to baseball over there? Is baseball kind of that niche thing that's growing or is it much bigger than we know about because you mentioned a local team in london i didn't even know they had local teams yeah there's there's quite a few teams um but i would say it's still a lot smaller than soccer has become in the u.s uh certainly from our perspective it feels like over the last five to ten years that like uh, that soccer over there has just really exploded in popularity um i think you had that world cup run a few years back that seemed to be engaging a lot more people than I'd ever seen before. Um, and part of that might also be that I've got to know a lot more Americans uh, through doing this. Um, but it certainly seems to me like there's a, a lot more people interested. A lot of people who previously, I think, didn't have the interest of, of adopted EPL teams the same way that, um, you know, we've uh, all adopted uh, Major League Baseball teams. So, yeah, uh, I think we're still way behind in terms of uh, how big baseball is over here so there's definitely people who play it here um there are lots of local teams but um yeah certainly the level and the volume of popularity compared to soccer over there uh is is way behind and i i think it's still um even before it became popular over there correct me if i'm wrong but uh, it's something that kids and and even sort of right up through high school and and some people into college play quite a lot right it just sort of hadn't reached the very top level of like national popularity in terms of a tv sport that kind of thing 
Okay, that's good to know because, yeah, when you watch the World Baseball Classic or whatever, you know the Netherlands, they big, big, big baseball environment there. Italy's growing, Greece is growing, but uh, we never see the, the England side of it. So that's good to hear that it's growing yeah. and becoming more and more of a thing. Yeah, and we don't play in school or anything like that right now. So, I mean, I'm sure that that will be starting to change, especially with a lot of the school kids coming over. Maybe that will become more part of the regular curriculum but um, a lot of people who come to the game here do so as adults maybe never having swung a baseball bat or worn a glove before so when you have that kind of thing it's obviously a long way behind as compared to kids who still play soccer at school in the in the US even if it might be the fifth sixth seventh most popular sport over there true very true um, we'll get back to some more just kind of talking subjects on this but I want to talk about the games for a few a few minutes here um, none of us really knew what to expect. We saw the dimensions of the field, all these different things. I know reports have come out by the way the stadium was built, the, the wind affects the off-speed pitches, all these all these factors. And runs were, 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 were everywhere. But when you really break, the, break it down, there weren't as many home runs as you'd think for all those runs. There was just a lot of hitting, a lot of offense, a lot of pitches that weren't moving in the zone. Um, as, as people that don't get the, the live game a lot over there, um, what were the, were they happy with all the offense? Did they want a closer game? Kind of what was the feel about that? And just what was the overall thoughts by, you know, the, the media year with everything about just this offensive bonanza in London? Uh, I think it was very different. I think certainly the, the British fans in the stadium loved it. Um, I, I didn't hear many people, uh, complaining about it. Uh, a lot of people said it was, it was strange, especially Saturday, it felt like you were seeing something unusual um, because you don't get a lot of games with that many hits, with that many runs. But yeah, as, as you say, it wasn't that they hit 9, 10, 11 home runs in that game. I think it was uh, three per side and, and then there were four more on Sunday. So, you know, a, a good amount of home runs, but pretty normal in the context of current Major League Baseball. Um, there have been a lot more games this year with a lot more home runs. So it, it wasn't that, that fear that I think people were, were stating beforehand, especially with centre field being so shallow, 385. They had built a big wall there, but it was still, uh, I think, playing in a play like the shortest centre in, in baseball. Um, it, it didn't really play that much of a difference uh, in the game. Uh, and it was kind of just the Yankees seemed like they were on it all the time, especially, uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu just looked like he could hit a line drive every time he came up. Um, there was just a lot of good hitting and, and yeah, I think that coupled with the fact that the ball didn't seem to be moving as we might expect, uh, played a part. Um, so we loved it. I think it was a good game. There's been a lot of debate about whether was this a good thing to show new fans. And I personally think it was, I think it was much more interesting for them than a one nothing shutout would have been uh, with a bunch of strikeouts. I think that is, if you're a fan in the stadium, especially if you haven't seen a game before, that is less interesting than what we got. So yeah, I'm hundred percent with you there. Yeah. So uh, as for the media, uh, a lot of them were still from the States. So I think they were maybe a bit less impressed. Uh, I think partly because the game went on so long as much as anything. Uh, I know a lot of them, um, I mentioned Marley Rivera earlier. Uh, she was saying to us, she basically just gave up writing her game story in the seventh inning and started again <laughs> um, because it was such a crazy game. So I think they were a little bit fed up and I think they get a bit fed up with the Red Sox and Yankees anyway because they've obviously got this reputation, a well-deserved reputation as being a team, two teams that take forever when they play each other. Um, and I think the other two games, um, I think this was the third longest nine-inning game of all time and the first two were also between the Yankees and the Red Sox. <laughs> um, so I think there was a little bit of an element uh, that of of kind of yeah we've we've seen this before we haven't seen this game specifically before but we've seen the Yankees and the Red Sox take forever against each other so I think they were less pleased but perhaps for more practical reasons than anything. Yeah, I, I was laughing. I was at a wedding last week, and so like I said, I wa I either saw clips sporadically. I was watching it on my phone, obviously, or I was watching highlights that night. But I, I laughed. I was getting done playing golf in the morning with, with some people from the wedding. And, and we walk into the clubhouse and the TV's on. And it said six to six. I'm like, cool, what inning? Oh, it's the bottom of the first. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy, I, what's going on right now? But I, I'm with you because I, I really do believe, like you guys said, is for first-timers, I think they want that kind of excitement. I really do. Because, you know, you and I who are like baseball diehards, 
if we watch a one nothing game and we appreciate the pitching because we know like what this pitcher is doing or whatever, that's a big difference. But I remember like when you were a kid or whatever, and you want to see home runs and you want to see this, that you want like a seven to four game or like a, like a six to two or something, a little bit of both. And um, this, this was a good way, I think, to introduce the fun of the game. And then as the game is taught more and learned more and, uh, it's not as much of a novelty maybe in the future. I think then it's like, okay, if it's a slow, like three to one game, it'll be still be really, really fun. Um, so I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think I would say um, there was a point, uh, I think after the top of the fifth, when the Yankees were 17, six up um, and, and John McGee, uh, who does the podcast with me kind of said, and you know, this is this is kind of getting a bit farcical now, and it was that was like the edge there. I think there was a moment where you thought, "Are people kind of going to give up on this?" Because it was it was really hot as well. I think it was ninety two degrees to translate that. We're not we're not very used to doing Fahrenheit, but I think it was ninety two at first pitch, which is very unusual for the UK. Very humid, um, which again is probably something that helped a bit with the the offense. Um, so I think. At that point, I did think, are, are people going to start to go home? Some people are going to need to go home anyway because they won't be able to get their train home or whatever. Um, but the Red Sox really brought it back. Uh, and so over the course of the game, I just thought there were so many things to cheer for. Uh, you know, The Red Sox kind of get two comebacks. They got the tying run to the plate uh, in the late innings, which you never would have expected halfway through that game. Um, and I think the, the loudest moment I remember was when Chavis hit the home run in the bottom of the first to tie it at six all. That was an incredible moment. And that I think that noise then was was like nothing I've ever heard at a baseball game in the US. Um it was, you know, that that when it was in the stadium there, it really felt like, you know, this is a, a proper good baseball game. That was a, a great noise. The crowd were going nuts. It was a, an amazing environment to be in. So I just felt like there were a lot of points to keep people engaged and the ground was still very full when you consider it finished at uh, almost eleven PM local time. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people who were supposed to go and get a train home probably missed it on Saturday night <laughs> to stay at the game. But uh, I think it really kept people engaged and uh, they both told great stories of the games. I think even though it looked like the Yankees were going to run out and, and never look back, I think uh, Boston actually kind of came close to tying it up in both games, which I think really helped. Uh, you mentioned earlier, and it makes a lot of sense that there should be potentially a lot of Red Sox, Yankees fans in, in London because of the, the vicinity that, you know, big time names of baseball. But when, when you're going around, say, the England area, not just London, like England as a whole, do, is there a favorite team or is it kind of spread out? Uh, the Red Sox have a, a very big fan community over here. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they certainly have the biggest followings. If you look on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, you know, the followers, the groups, I think they have the biggest community. I think people are kind of aware that uh, picking the Yankees is a little bit like picking Manchester United or something. Um, you know, that's <laughs> nobody's really going to respect you if that's the, the team you pick kind of thing, the, the glory hunter pick as we would call it. Um, we get a lot of Blue Jays fans here. Uh, I've never quite worked out why, but the Blue Jays are also very important. I don't know if a lot of people have been to Toronto. We just have a, a Canadian influence. I've, I'm not quite sure. I, I really should ask one of them actually sometime uh, why we have so many Blue Jays fans. Um, but a lot of people have very random reasons, you know, that they will have been on holiday and just thought, oh, I'll go and take on a baseball game. So uh, I think we have, you know, some who've been to Florida. I think Florida is a reasonably popular uh, destination. So, you know, we do have uh, maybe more Marlins and, and Rays fans than you might think. Um, but it's a pretty big mix. We we went round and found a fan from every team to take a picture with over over the course of the weekend. Awesome. It wasn't that difficult. Um, and you, you get uh, you get um, people from pretty much everywhere. Um, we ran across a guy um, from Newcastle, a Geordie, as we would call them, and uh, he was the Twins fan that we took a picture with. And he didn't just have his Twins jersey and cap on; he had Twins tattoos, like forearm <laughs> tats. And he had one with a calf. Like this was, this guy was like a diehard Twins fan, but with I don't know if you've ever heard the Geordie accent. Um, it's I mean it's hard for us to understand. <laughs> uh, wow. They're very thick, lots of slang. Uh, they speak very fast, so it was kind of a bit surreal hearing this guy with the, with the Geordie accent. Um, but he was like this hardcore Twins fan. So yeah, there's there's fans of every team here, um, which is kind of cool. But definitely, I would say the Red Sox are the biggest over here. Okay, I got a few more questions on, on the London series, and we'll we'll wrap up the show for today. Um, 
when when you look at the NFL, they've been trying to establish a kind of footing in in England, London for quite some time. You know, it was just one game. They're expanding like four games now. They continually try to go there. Um, baseball's entering the market. Which sport of the two do you think has a better chance of maybe thriving or uh, becoming a regular? Like, NFL is regular, but I think you kind of understand what I'm trying to say. Which one do you think has a better chance of being, you know, maybe second fiddle to uh, a football or, or the next best sport over there outside of football? I think it's still easier for the NFL because of the schedule. Um, I, I think that shortened season helps, you know, the the Sunday games help, um, you know, that most of the games are still on at a time that, that we can kind of watch, maybe not even necessarily all of it, but um, so much of the baseball schedule is on at a time that people here can't see. Um, and I, I was saying this uh, on, on Effectively Wild earlier in the week that um, the, the thing that people really kind of, where I look, maybe lose them a bit when I'm talking about baseball is when I tell them there are 162 games in the season. Um, <laughs> and we just don't have anything like that. And so you say, oh, can, can you imagine following a team pretty much every day for six months? And I think people are kind of a bit like, I, I don't know if I can fit that into my life, which, you know, there are different ways to be a fan, but I think... Yeah the NFL is, is a bit easier for people to kind of immerse themselves in whilst also getting on with their lives. Totally um, so yeah. I think that's that's a factor. And, and obviously there's been talk about a, a franchise in London for the NFL for ages. You could obviously never do that with baseball because the, I mean, we talk about the Mariners having a bad schedule, but can you imagine <laughs> a, a UK team <laughs> flying San, back and forth? San Diego to London. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I've I've been over to California, and yeah, I was I was wiped out when we <laughs> we did that time change. I was yeah really thrown off for days. So yeah, that that would be an absolute nightmare. So um, yeah, I I think uh, the NFL they've got a good foothold here now. They've been doing it for a long time. They're still selling out all the games, even though they've extended it to four now. I think, um, and they've got the multiple venues. Um, I'm actually a, a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and they're doing a couple at the the new stadium, which looks amazing. So. They seem really well established, and uh, I think that they're, they're kind of in a good place there, um, especially with just uh, how they've they've positioned it. I think in the market, and I think it was has maybe a slightly longer history. Anyway, I think back in the eighties, they'd already started doing kind of exhibition games here and that. So they've kind of got the track record. Baseball is still very much behind, but I do wonder if people who are into the NFL, who maybe came along on Sunday because they've had a good time at the NFL games, will now be more inclined to, to start following along. It'll be interesting to see how they build on it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering. If uh, maybe, maybe it'll take a few more years, because like the NFL, like I said, it was one game, then it was two, now it's four. Um, maybe more repetition from baseball. It becomes more of a thing. Um, and, and you mentioned Tottenham is coming over to here. I, I've been loving these world tours kind of after everyone's seasons are done from all the major leagues, and they come over and tour the big stadiums around the U.S. It's been pretty cool to see some of these these big teams that, you know, the MLS, it's becoming big in the U.S. But like I said, when I went to a PSG game, that was a whole other animal. So you get these other teams coming over here. It's pretty fun to watch. Um, I mentioned the World Baseball Classic earlier, and, and you mentioned how it's not even really taught in schools and you don't really play baseball that much. And, and it looks like it maybe can start expanding, will start expanding just for fun. If you had to put kind of a, a rough amount of years on it. When do you think you'll see an England World Baseball Classic team, maybe not in the final, you know, eight or whatever, but in those initial initial rounds to try to compete for a spot to be in the Classic? Uh, well, they, they got very close uh, last time out. Uh, they got to the kind of the final of the qualifier, um, but they had to play Israel. Uh, and Israel obviously had quite a few. I can't remember off the top of my head now, um, but there were several uh, major leaguers in that team um, who had links to Israel through through one route or another. Um, and I think the, the WBC eligibility rules are quite lenient. Um, Very lenient, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, which does help us <laughs> GB to a certain extent because there's uh, like a lot of Bahamian players. Um, I think uh, Jazz Chisholm would be uh, eligible for the uh, GB team um, if they, they were to make it. So, um, you know, there, there's guys certainly uh, that that we could use as well. But yeah, Israel definitely had the the connections. And uh, so the GB had a good go of it. Um, and I know the under 12s uh, are playing right now, which seems like a long way off, but they're doing very well in a, a European tournament over here. 
So yeah, it's progressing. Um, we, we know Liam Carroll, the head coach of GB baseball. Uh, he's a really great guy. He's doing a lot of work. He was involved in the, the first pitch on Sunday. So I think they've been getting a lot of support out of this. Um, the Olympics will make a difference as well. I think, uh, that baseball is going to be at the, the next Olympics. And so I think that can play a, a big part in funding. Um, so that's the kind of thing that's going to dictate it. Um, but given that they've already been close already, and now hopefully this gives everyone a little bit boost. I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe not the, the next WBC, but certainly the one after that, we'll start to see the benefits of these kids who are now being introduced in baseball. Um, and maybe this extra funding that's coming over, that will start to, to maybe increase the quality of the team over here. So I, I think you'll probably see GB in one before, before the end of the decade. Nice. Um, you already mentioned it earlier. Next year it's the Cubs, Cardinals, which will be another fun rivalry. What changes are you hoping they make from this this edition to the next edition? It could be on the field, it could be outside the field, whatever. What changes do you hope they make to make it even better? Yeah, we actually uh, talked about this. I don't know if the pod's up yet on our, our most recent uh, Batflips and Nerds pod. So hopefully um, that is... Uh, it's going to be up soon, so we can we can listen to the whole conversation. But um, one thing I flagged up was actually just kind of expanding the, the merchandise, which they do seem to be talking about already. Um, there was a lot of Yankees and Red Sox stuff, obviously, but the only thing you could really buy for most teams was a cap, which a lot of fans here obviously have already. Uh, and the selection here is not great. Like There is an MLB Shop Europe, but there isn't a ton of stuff for quite a lot of teams. Um, so I think there were people there who were really hoping that they would bring over a wider selection of things um, that maybe they don't get to buy so easily, or if they do buy, they have to pay big shipping costs to get it over. Um, so I think they'll they'll definitely be expanding that, and I'm sure they'll they'll sell everything again because uh, that was very popular this, this time around. Um, I think we, we were talking about the scoreboard as well. I think the setup was a bit cluttered. People talked about it being quite difficult to read because obviously it is a big stadium. Uh, and so I think they had maybe a little bit too much information on there. I think they would have benefited from maybe making uh, there be two or three less things on there. And um, they were putting stuff up, kind of explaining the game to people, which was good. And, um, you know, talking about the difference between looking strikeout and a swinging strikeout on the scoreboard, things like that, you know, how many balls is a walk, just kind of basic stuff to get people into the game, but doesn't help that much if people can't read it. So I think we'd like to see an improvement on that front. Um, the thing that DT Gregorius said uh, in the, I think it was DD, or maybe it was Jackie Bradley, one of one of the players in the press conference, I can't remember which now, um, when was asked this question basically, and he just said, you know, kind of try and get on the right sleep pattern a bit earlier. He was obviously suffering a little bit, <laughs> so maybe something for the Cubs and the Cardinals to bear in mind next time. I don't know how they would best uh, arrange that, whether it would be to come over even earlier. Uh, after their final game before the series or, or just kind of tweak their sleep schedule in the States um, before they come. But uh, I think that was something that, that maybe they struggled with a little bit, just going the five hours forwards was a little bit challenging for them. Um, but generally speaking, I think for the first time, uh, it seemed very well run. We didn't notice a lot of stuff. Didn't seem to be many mistakes. Um, and everybody from the Yankees and Red Sox was pretty complimentary about how it had been set up. So I think it went pretty well. All right, two final questions. We um, After next year, there's no agreement in place on what's going to happen next. If they come back to London, we've mentioned other European destinations, whatever. Um, I know you're a Giants fan, so Dodgers-Giants seems like a fun one. Uh, what matchups, like if you had to pick pick another matchup, what would you like to see come over uh, to, to Europe? Yeah, uh, obviously, from a selfish perspective, that would be amazing. I have been to see the Giants Dodgers in in AT and T in our Oracle, um, yeah. so that that was incredible. That that was the, definitely the the baseball games that have come closest to the atmosphere we had at the weekend. Um, just in in terms of you know the rivalry between the fans, uh, that was almost more like a, a football match actually because um, I ended up uh, in one of those games. Uh, the Dodgers fans had kind of um, bought out half of the bleachers in centre field. Yep. So I spent, uh, I went with my brother and I kept telling him, it's not like a football game, you know, everyone's just there, you know, it's not, there's not fan sections. And then we go and sit down and like about 15 rows behind us were just all blue. They've just <laughs> done a block booking. <laughs> so we had about 300 Dodgers fans behind us, like chanting the whole game, nice. uh, you know, trying to drown out the Giants fans. So 
it actually turned out to be kind of like a, a football match here where we're sitting right in front of the away fans. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, I'd, I'd definitely love to see the Giants Dodgers. I think time zone wise, uh, they probably wouldn't do it because um, they, they would need tough. more than just the, 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 those days off they give the Yankees and Red Sox this time. I think they would probably need a, at least one extra day the side just to get over coming over here and going back. Um, so I don't know how they would work that really or whether they would look at doing it earlier in the year. But I'm going to be honest, risking the UK weather in March is, is not great. Risking it in June is a little bit dicey, but March is <laughs> certainly challenging. So um, I think that I'm probably going to get told off uh, for this by uh, John, who is a Red Sox fan, but I think bringing the Blue Jays over would be very popular. Um, I think they'd get a really good following over here. So uh, maybe I'd like to see them uh, and they might as well bring the Rays, right? Because they're not going to get anyone to watch them in, in Tampa. So a good I think it would be nice nice for them to play in front of 60,000 fans. So maybe another AL East matchup and have Blue Jays Rays. We, the, the, the new token team, the Rays, just like the Jaguars, the NFL. <laughs> send them <laughs> over there. Um, and the, I mean, the, I think they still would have filled the stadium probably oh, if definitely. it had been, been, been the Rays and the Marlins or something, you know, done it interleague. But um yeah, I don't think it would have been quite the same. Okay, my very last question for you, just from your personal perspective, doesn't have to be you know as a whole or a big thought. What was your favorite highlight or moment of the weekend? Um, yeah, I think I'll I'll say uh, that. I mean, I've mentioned quite a few of them already, so I won't rehash those. Uh, but I think um, I actually met a guy from the Giants. Uh, we went, there was like this workout day on the Friday. So the players came out in the field, they hit batting practice, just did some drills. And lots of them, the media guys were out there along with, um, you know, personalities from like UK sports and that Raheem Sterling was out there. Um, people like that. Um, but, uh, a guy spotted my giant's hat and came over and said hello to me. And, uh, he had like an MLB pass on. So I was like, Oh, you, you're working for major league baseball. And he's like, well, actually I work for the giants and they've just asked me to come over and help. And this guy was uh, George Costa, who is a senior vice president of ballpark operations for the giants. And he's worked for them for 31 years. And he was just really pleased to see a giants fan. You couldn't believe I was wearing my San Francisco cap and he, he couldn't believe he met one. So yeah, we had a, a nice little chat, talked about Tim Lincecum and uh, yeah, how, what a shame it was that his career had ended so early. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of, for me, that was a, a really nice moment of the two uh, sides of this coming together, um, you know, America and uh, the UK and uh, kind of really encapsulated the weekend for me that these these things were meeting um, and uh, that he was so pleased to find a, a Giants fan. And uh, yeah, I kind of randomly ended up talking to uh, the guy who basically runs the park for the Giants. So that was really cool. That's awesome. Well, Darius, I could sit and talk to you all day and want to do this again sometime and do some more fantasy analysis, but I really wanted to just kind of get your overall thoughts on, on the whole London series because it, it was a really cool thing. Honestly, for a guy that's that's enjoyed baseball for over 30 years, I would never have pictured baseball in London. I really wouldn't have. Uh, but it, it, it went off very, very well from what we could see on TV. So uh, kudos to, to everyone over there. I think it was amazing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what happens next year because I'm imagining it'll probably the way baseball does things it'll probably be bigger and better than it even was this year if it's hard to, hard to imagine but possible. Uh, before we wrap it up, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you, where your work's at, what you're working on coming up, and everything. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at DariusA64 uh, for my fancy stuff over at Baseball Prospectus. Um, kind of in season, my my column is called Off the Charts. So I also do work for the, the depth charts team there, which basically kind of inputs all the playing time that uh, inspires the protect, uh, the projections and the, the projected standings, that kind of thing. Um, so each week I kind of take a situation where we've had to change something because of an injury, because of a call up. And I kind of break down the fallout, um, you know, have a look at what the team's been doing with their lineup, who might be playing more, playing less, that kind of thing. So um, I do one of those every week. And then I also do a, a fancy freestyle every other week, which is kind of, wherever we want it to be, which is, is fun. Uh, and then you can, yeah, find me at Batflips and Nerds. Uh, we have Batflips underscore Nerds on Twitter, batflipsandnerds.com. Uh, we have loads of content, lots of UK fans write for us. And we've already had a few things about the, the series of the weekend. I'm sure we'll have much more from people reflecting on it and what they enjoyed about it. And we had lots of content going out on the, the Twitter account, on Instagram, uh, you know, lots of periscopes, pictures, videos, all kinds of stuff. So if you want to really get a flavor of what the weekend was like, 
Um, and that's all up there. Uh, my life blog is on the, the website as well. Um, so that was, that was fun to write. Uh, and then you can find me over at Banish to the Pen as well, which is the site set up by uh, fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. Um, so uh, that's kind of a pretty eclectic mix. If you ever listen to Effectively Wild, you kind of know that it's uh, sort of fairly niche uh, things, lots of hypotheticals, um, silly stuff. If you like that kind of baseball, you know, kind of the what ifs of baseball, then we do a lot of that kind of thing, um, looking at kind of statistical quirks and that. Um, I'm also updating our sabermetric starter cards, which are kind of an introduction to advanced stats. So if you are kind of looking for a, a new, newish person to baseball, looking for an intro to that kind of thing, then they're pretty handy as well. Awesome. Well, Darius obviously does a lot of great stuff all over the industry. So go check it all out. Um, great people he works with too, a lot of them. So uh, go check all that out. And Darius, thanks for joining me, man. This was, this was a real, real pleasure getting to chat with you for a bit. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm uh, very pleased to have been here and uh, I'm glad uh, you seem to think the series went as well as we did because uh, it was it was difficult to tell. I think inside the park, we all had a great time, but we weren't quite sure what it was going to look like on TV or what the perception was. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, glad to hear that you thought it went off well too. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm in the minority, but I haven't heard any negatives on it from what I've talked and heard from. So yeah, really good stuff. And I, I'm looking forward to next year. I think I think in the National League perspective, no DH, Cubs, Cardinals, it, it might be a little different. It could be really, really interesting to see how that plays. Maybe they'll play with the balls or the, the way the – I don't know. They can't change the stadium, obviously. But they'll be, they'll, it'll be interesting to see what they tweak because you know they will because that's what baseball does best. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, until next time, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 185 with Darius Austin. A little fantasy baseball and talking all about the London series. Catch you guys later. better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.